Sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio brought to you by A Voice You Know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Hello there. Hi there. Happy December to you. We're just under two weeks from uh, Christmas, and I feel like I've got a Christmas episode today in that we finally wrap up the uh, 2021 uh, football season with a couple of great coaches in Kerry's Jonathan Mershman and Ryan Jones from Versailles. And I didn't know until the last couple of days that each one of those guys has a connection and that they both are either from or coached at Ottawa Glendorf. And uh, in Ryan's case, Wapakoneta. So it's kind of cool to be able to see a, a tie even deeper within our area with two teams that are right on the cusp of a being in our area, so to speak. But I don't have a ton to go on for this show. Unfortunately, I'm uh, kind of in the process of moving, trying to get a bunch of stuff done. I have a ton of games with the uh, sprint before Christmas and then the kind of lull within the two weeks before the new year and the uh, run to Dayton coming up in January. But I don't really think that this show necessarily needs it because there are two terrific coaches on tap and they are uh, great interviews coming your way here in just a few I am excited, though. Tuesday nights, Liberty Betting in Ottawa Glendorf. I am moving to Finley, so it'll be about a mile and a half to uh, that game. And uh, that's the first time I've had it since the last time I've done a game in Spencerville. So uh, big things coming next week. Uh, hopefully some big guests as well. Big week of moving and uh, a lot of things going on. But I promise you that uh, the next episode of the show, you'll love this one too. As we get closer to Christmas, here we go. Talking high school football with two state championship coaches when we come back here on Around the Hearn. Eric McCracken, what's with all the cars and trucks burning out at the dealership? Well, Billy Elvis, at Kinsel GM Sales and Service in Van Wert, we find the right cars and trucks for the right people so fast, we can't keep them on the lot. So, if I want a candy apple red Chevy Camaro or a shiny new Buick or GMC, you can help me with that? We sure can, Billy. That's what we do. If it's not our lot, we'll find it. We'll get you the car truck you're dreaming of. So, Eric, even if I don't see my particular vehicle on the lot, I should still stop by Lee Kinsel GM Sales and Service because you'll find that perfect car, truck, or van for me? Yep, your dream car. And with huge discounts and great rebates, it's even a better reason to stop by Lee Kinsel GM Sales and Service. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is that car coming back on the lot, Eric? Billy, it's because we just don't connect with you on your dream vehicle. We service it after the sale, too. Don't delay. Get the Lee Kinsel GM Sales and Service, 650 West Irving Road in Van Wert, online at LeeKinsel.com, where Danny the Dealmaker says, find new roads. Finishing off the fall season as we talk about the uh, state championship game in Division 6, the Cary Blue Devils finished 15-1, and their head coach and Jonathan Mershman now. Uh, congratulations. Uh, just a, kind of a long time coming for you guys. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a long season. I mean, sixteen weeks is a is a long time. It's an NFL schedule almost without a bye, you know. So um, it's a grind, but uh, we were really pleased to play all sixteen games and and come away with a victory at the end. How did the kids react to that in terms of having that extra week in that extra long season? Well, um, up to this point, you know, these kids never played that long before. Um, I think the longest we had was thirteen weeks. Uh, up to this and uh so the extra three weeks they were enjoying themselves um we were super focused i was really happy with our focus through um those extra three weeks you know uh, they weren't just happy winning they wanted to keep moving forward and uh i thought they did they handled the weeks really well and uh 
you know, uh, made the grind way more enjoyable that way. 5,200 people and one foghorn in that game is all I kept hearing throughout the whole game. Is that normal for you guys? Well, it's a, it's a train horn, and uh, so it's an actual train horn. And, um, he, yeah, that's a pretty normal uh, sound for us. Um, you know, that uh, the guy that uh, handles that is not affiliated with the school because some people have asked about that. Um, he just shows up at it, you know, has showed up the last two years at every game and scouts out a location and, and, uh, whenever he feels like we need, uh, a positive boost, he blows that horn and the crowd gets into it. Well, it's kind of funny because he was directly across from where we were up in the press box. And I watched before the game, there was an extension cord and we couldn't decide if it was an extension cord or a rope. And we ended up figuring out, obviously, putting together throughout the course of the game. But kept thinking, what is going on over there? And then when we started hearing it, we figured, well, the guy's got to be at least from Cary. Yeah, uh, he is from Cary. Um, yeah, so I think the extension cord that you're uh, alluding to was actually us trying to set up our huddle sideline um, that we ended up not being able to get set up. But um, <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was, the, the horn was actually, uh, from my understanding, it's in the back of his truck. And so he, he was not even on the premises. He was, he was actually a little bit farther away, uh, found a parking lot and was blowing the horn from there. Oh, wow. That thing carried well then because it was being picked up on yeah. the microphone way up there throughout the whole day. Right. That's what I said. It's an actual train horn. I mean, it's off of an actual train. So it, it's, uh, it's pretty loud especially when we're at home and he could park right there at the end of the parking lot. And it's, it's pretty loud at home. When you go down seven, nothing Coldwater gets that touchdown late in the first quarter, you come back, you guys go on that big four minute drive, 76 yards on nine plays. When, as you referred to him, Mr. Valley Joe gets the score, you're down one. What's the decision process on going for two? Is that a normal thing or just a spur of the moment thing? Well, we've been we've been going for two quite a few times uh, throughout the whole season. Um, earlier in the year, we were way more successful uh, than we were later. You know, we were getting to the point where we we're about five hundred uh, later in the season. Um, but I wanted to find out what we were made of. I wanted to find out whether or not you know if we needed two yards, could we punch it in um, if we needed to and. And so I was like, you know what, let's just let's test the waters early and find out what we're made of. And not only that, but if we go up 8-7, to seven, that's going to give us a ton of momentum. And we play way better when we have the lead and we can just grind clock and not worry about it because if the game ends 8-7, to seven, we win. So um, that was kind of the thought process. And it wasn't talked about with the staff or anything. Um you know, it was kind of a spur of the moment for me. I saw the way we punched in the uh, the points, and I'm like, you know what? I want to take the lead right now. And I said two, and some of the coaches were like, ah, let's go for one. I go, no, we're going for two. <laughs> They're like, they try to debate it, and I go, there's no debate. I don't know what you guys are talking about. We're going for two right now. And then they all kind of scoured and, and went away. And, and then when we got it, they are like, all right, you're right. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so um, it was – it was one of those things that I thought it was the best thing for the team uh, in the aspect of it was going to give us a ton of momentum. And uh, if we didn't get it, I felt like, well, we're going to score again, and then we'll make that decision later on. 
But um, I don't know. I just I really felt like that was the best thing for the team. Twenty three point run in that swing. You go up twenty three seven, and I would love to hear a coach's version of a. Tanner Camp catches a pass in the back corner of the end zone. Reese Dellinger just made a terrific throw across the field. I, I call it a grown man throw with how he got to it. There's a lengthy sort of delay in conversation. I saw you were pretty animated on the sideline. What's the conversation with the officials like at that point about whether that's going to count or not? Well, I knew it was going to count. Um, you know, I knew he got both feet in. Um, I saw that. I, it was a great throw and it was a good, it was a great catch. Um, it, the more the thing that I was uh, a little animated about was I felt like our, uh, trying to install our number 71 was getting held really bad on that. Um, you know, it, now that I watched it a little bit closer, I, it's not as bad as I thought it was, but, um, that's what I was, um, more talking to the, to the, uh, refs about, but, I never yelled at him. I never really cussed at him or anything like that. I, it was just, I felt like he was getting held. And I, I told him, you know, that as long as that, you know, it's consistent throughout the whole game, I'm fine. But I just, I felt like that, that's what would, was going on. And, um, and then, you know, they scored, they got some momentum there. And I, like I told our guys, just don't relax and let's just go win the second half. Cause first half we won the first half even though it ended with them getting some momentum and stuff i go if we just go out in the second half and handle business and win the second half we win the game so let's just let that go we're moving on and this is kind of our mentality has been all year is you know we're not gonna let that stuff uh whine and cry about it and because there's nothing we can do about the past we got to do what we can about the future so that's pretty much what the, the conversation was when you kicked a 41-yard field goal later on in the game, I didn't even realize at the time that it ends up breaking the state championship record for longest field goal in the division. I didn't know whether you were going to be able to get that off because it seemed like it was kind of uh, kind of a scrum to be able to get to that point of that ball went down with, I believe, two seconds on the play clock. I credit uh, Bell just being, I guess, having a good enough leg to get that one there. Well, um, I was confident about the field goal, like him making it. I, you know, I've seen him make farther ones in practice and, and on turf, especially on turf. You know, our, our field is a uh, grass. Well, right now it's mud because we've been practicing on it. Um, cause it's the only place you can practice with the lights and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I felt really confident cause I've seen him make it in on our game field and, 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 uh, on turf before and, in years past, he's been our kicker for like three years. And, you know, I've seen him make those kicks. Um, but, yeah, I was watching the big board because um, the play before we threw a pass and they called it incomplete out of bounds. And I thought um, live that uh, Conte got a foot in. I was looking at the big board to see if he dragged a foot or anything. And that's probably what ate up a little bit of the play clock there because, uh, I was, you know, we didn't have huddle sideline. I was giving the replay officials a little time to, to take a look at it because I, w- I would rather have had fourth and three than, I don't know, what we were, like fourth and 14. You know, so I was looking and looking, and when I saw his foot go down half in, half out, I was like, kick the field goal, kick the field goal. And they ran out there with like 15 seconds to go, got set up. I don't even think Bell uh, stepped it off. I think he just set up real quick. And I give Carter... Smiley, the sophomore, a ton of credit because he's the one that signals for the ball. 
He made sure everything was lined up. Everybody was still looked up at, at Bell said, are you ready? And Bell said he was ready. And I think it went like five, four, three, two. And he called for it at like two, two slash one, got the snap off, put it down. And, and Bell just booted it beautifully right down the middle and probably had another 10 yards to spare. Well, like I say, that was kind of what I was most shocked about. That As that play was developing, I thought maybe it was going to have to be a timeout just because of how it was. But you guys had an absolutely a great game plan to shut their running game down. You held them to under three yards a carry, a team that is almost six during the year, and forced them into, uh, yeah, they throw for 200 yards, but I know I could tell Chip Otten was a little frustrated that they're not getting the big hitters that they're used to. What? Was the plan just shut the running game down and, and let them maybe we know where they're going to go with the passing game? Well, yeah. I mean, they were probably one of our, other than maybe Hopewell, um, you know, at the beginning of the season was probably one of our biggest pass-threading teams on our you know, that we played. Um, Springfield was a good pass team as well, and they liked their big home runs. But I felt like they liked their big home runs and the, and the quarterback runs up the middle. Um, you know, with, with the, uh, cold water, um, we, we knew our front can, can stop the run. So we just kind of said, Hey, we're not going to add anybody out, uh, extra to the box. We're going to let our front stop the run. They're Yeah. They're going to get a, a run or two. Um, but let's just be, uh, patient and confident in what we do. Let the front, uh, stop the run. And I, I thought for, you know, 90% of the night they didn't excellent job stopping the run and then on the back end we said you know to the safeties and corners just don't let anything get behind you make them earn everything they want to do make them be you know 35 for 40 throwing the ball like they have to be perfect and make every throw and and catch every pass and drive it you know six seven yard catches down the field we'll just rally up make sound tackles and um you know just try to make them be consistent. I think we we did a nice job because I think they were like thirteen for, I don't know, thirty one throwing it. Um, you know that completion percentage was really low, and when you have that, unless you're hitting home runs, you know you're not going to be able to sustain drives at thirteen. And I don't know what the actual. You're actually right. It was thirteen thirty one. Was it? okay. That's pretty good. I knew I was close, but I didn't know I was. I, yeah, I didn't think I was right on, but you know, like so that's a really low complete completion percentage. I mean, you're, you're down in the forties, you know, so, um, it just, it was about making them be consistent, make them be consistent in what they do. Um, and just don't give up those. That's what they like. That's what Springfield liked. You know, they like those, those, uh, glorious 80 yard plays, you know, and, um, we're just a mutter team. Like we just like mucking things up and, and keeping teams, uh, having to, play dirty football I guess and not look so clean and awesome you know so uh, when you uh, I always ask coaches this when you look back at the last two or three minutes of that game you know that you're in a very good position on the scoreboard how long did that feel like to you standing on the sideline well um, when they got the ball back uh, I think it was like 2.44 to go, something like that, or close to it, or 2.22, something like that. They got the ball back. We didn't get that first down. Um, and the play before that, uh, Valley Joe, 
uh, broke it up, broke through, and got a shoestring. So uh, I think eighty-eight got a shoestring tackle on him and tripped him up, and he fell a yard short and gave us that fourth and one. But you know, if, if he doesn't make that tackle, uh, I believe he scores a touchdown, and that really just seals the game for us. But um, so we don't get that fourth and one. We give him the ball back with over two minutes to go. The time that they had the ball, I felt like nobody started the the play clock. Like nobody started the time at all. Like it just sat still. And that's what was like frustrating for me. It was like that time's got to move. That time's got to move. But then when we uh, when we stopped them on that fourth down and we got the ball back with a minute forty four, and I could I could run three knees, they couldn't stop it, and we could run three knees and get out of there. Um, that time moved real fast. I figured that it kind of had to be one of those things of just the anticipation of it. Uh, this year, maybe not enough people talked about you guys in terms of the state landscape at the beginning of the year, whether that's good or bad with how it ends up that, you know, kind of motivation-wise, but eight players named all Ohio. You win the state title for the first time since 75. What does that say about Kerry football right now? Well, you know, like beating beating – the teams that we played, you know, the Springfield, the Coldwater, Liberty Center, um, Ashland Crestview, Tenora, like the teams that we played in the playoffs to win this um, are all excellent programs and excellent teams. They all have lineage, you know, in in the playoffs. And I feel like that just kind of helped us um, realize where we have gone with this program so far in the in the five years. And I've been the head coach and I feel like, you know, um, um, we're building something special here and I'm not going to say, Hey, now we're the new cold. No, no, you can't be the new cold water. Cold water is cold water. You know, they got seven state championships and I think what now eight runner ups. Um, (laughs) we got a long ways to go to get to that or to the Marion locals, but I feel like we're, we're, we're building a foundation that maybe we can be talked about like that, uh, 20 years from now, as long as we can keep, this attitude of getting in the weight room and working hard and, and getting all this stuff done the right way. And, and we can maintain this going forward. I, I would really like to, to be at that part or that point, I should say. Yeah. We, we graduate 15 seniors. Uh, I think, well, was it everybody on offense except for like one or two guys. Um, now we bring a couple more guys back on defense, um, than we do on offense, but, um, no, I, I'm pretty confident with uh, our sophomore and junior class that we got right now coming in that we'll be able to fill some holes, but that we just won't have the depth like we did this year, and, and that's something that we're going to have to work on. What was the celebration like? Did you guys get fire trucks when you got back? Yeah, so when we got to uh, Upper, um, all the uh, Wyandotte County fire trucks and the EMS, from my understanding, were all waiting on us, and uh, – when we got to Upper, they actually they led us through Upper, and then uh, and brought us all the way home to Cary. Um, and I mean, there was just a sea of fire trucks and and, uh, and I think like three co- uh, three state cops and um, two sheriffs, and it was just it was like a parade of vehicles uh, going through that all the way through Upper and all the way to Cary, and it was just really good support from the whole county of Wyandotte County. That is so awesome. That's one of my favorite parts about high school athletics is when I get to hear those stories. Versailles had fire trucks at 3 o'clock in the morning. 
And it's just that those communities, (laughs) like your guys, like theirs, are able to come together and make things like that happen to show their appreciation for what you and those young men have done. Yeah, that that was the one thing we were fortunate to have the three o'clock game, so it wasn't three in the morning. Um, you know, didn't have to get up too early again the three o'clock game. So, um, but yeah, it was about nine o'clock or nine thirty when we got home, and we stopped at the middle of town when we got into Cary, and the fire trucks uh, barricaded uh, the front and the back of uh, Main Street, and uh, there was probably probably close to three thousand people. Uh, in the streets, and we got out of the bus and walked around and celebrated a little bit with uh, with the whole town. And um, we had a local DJ set up in the middle of town, and he was he played a long way to the top by uh, ACDC as we uh, got off the bus, and it was just it was a crazy scene. Well, I can't thank you enough for all the help for uh, being able to cover these games and for being so accessible. I, I've enjoyed getting to see your team. I'm always thrilled. Uh, I hate when it's two Northwest Ohio teams against each other, but it makes me proud that we have such good football that the rest of the state has to, I guess for them, suffer through two Northwest Ohio teams going at it. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I love playing football in this Northwest. You know, I'm originally from Ottawa, so, you know, I've, I've always been up here, and I really believe that there's some excellent football going on up here. Congratulations again. Hey, thank you very much. That's the head coach of the state champion, Kerry Blue Devils and Jonathan Mershman. Back with more here in just a few. Tony's on Main Street in Ottawa, home of the Titan Burger, and if you're really hungry, the Cow Tipper. Tony's grounds their hamburger meat each day. Each patty is fresh and never frozen and not cooked until you order it. Don't forget to add some of the great sides like French fries, pickle fries, and their great breaded mushrooms. While you're there, you can't forget to get some of their great ice cream, ice cream treats, and frozen yogurt. Tony's on Main Street in Ottawa, making burger history since 1962. Continuing to look back at last weekend, now talking about Versailles football with head coach Ryan Jones. First of all, the biggest thing I could say, congratulations to you and the boys. Well, thank you very much. It's been uh, quite a season, quite a ride uh, with a tremendous group of uh players and coaches and uh you know just can be more uh, grateful for uh, the opportunity to be here at Versailles. I want to talk about the season and the game in a second but the thing that I most hang my hat on and I absolutely love is I was reading on Twitter as I was on my way home making that long trip and I realized when I got home at two o'clock you guys still had a, about an hour in terms of driving but what was it like to have the fire trucks in a parade at three o'clock in the morning? Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you get <clears throat> got back at 3, 3.30, something like that, and uh, the fire trucks and the police cars are waiting there and you get in front of the uh, buses and drive us around town, and the, the community is all out, uh, lining the streets, um, waving and cheering us on, supporting the guys, letting them know that their their efforts were appreciated and, uh, you know, made everybody feel great and uh, just a, a fantastic scene. Um I was videotaping it because I'm going to share it with my own family and, and let them know what it was like. And uh, it was just pretty awesome. And it's just, um, <clears throat> it is just, just like the type of support you get from uh, this community. And we've had all year long, um, just been fantastic supporters of the, of the football team and, uh, and general here at Versailles. And so, you know, just very blessed to be 
uh, in a community where where uh, there is that support from the fans and the administration and and uh, and the rest of the student body. Well, I assumed you guys were either geotagged or somebody was in complete communication because about every five minutes I would see an update. Oh, they're up to two forty eight a.m. now, and it was kind of funny. Yeah, that me. was. Yeah, that was our athletic director. I think just uh, trying to make sure everything was organized and on time, and uh, let everybody know. I don't think he wanted them to stand out in the cold for uh, you know for an hour. So trying to keep everybody up to date as best you can. Use the technology that's available today. Uh, Scott Borman did a great job with that, and uh, made sure uh, everything worked out just fine. And uh, it was a pretty pretty good success. There was a lot of people there, and you know. Uh, we had a, a great turnout at the uh, at the game itself. That made the trip. A lot of people made the trip up to Canton, and not a, not a short drive, but uh, man, that goes a long way. That support, and you know, our players feed off that energy. And then it was just a, a great scene, and to be able to celebrate there with them was just fantastic. Well, it also doesn't hurt that even uh, in addition to your own fans, you got Coldwater people who, despite being a little upset with how their game turned out. They stayed there. I saw a handful of Marion people, some green from Anna. I mean, that that's such a cool community within itself to kind of look around and just go, all right, our entire league is here. Yeah, it's something that uh, I don't know how uh, commonplace that is within different uh, conferences. Um, just the support from within your own conference and, and the players from the from Coldwater were were uh, cheering us on as we uh, walked out onto the field in pregame as they were coming off. And uh, I know people around the area at the, the other schools were uh, cheering for us. And it's pretty neat. It's pretty unique. Uh, there's there's a nice bond there between those players. We're competitors, you know, um, night a year for sure. But uh, the rest of the year, uh, there's great support and there's a feeling of pride and and a bond there that kind of ties us together. And I think that's, uh, we've talked about this a million times on our broadcast, but something that maybe the rest of the state doesn't understand. They look at it and go, oh, great, we got to hear about the Mac again. But even towards the end of your own game, it wasn't necessarily, there was a large Tiger Ball chant, but then it kind of shifts to MAC and the amount of pride that everybody shows, not only in your program, but in that Mac program. Yeah, it's a neat thing to be a part of. There is that, you know, not being, I uh, didn't play in the MAC um, when I was uh, growing up. Went, you know, I played at Wapakoneta. But, but uh, you know, being here and being involved with that for three years now and being able to experience that, it's a really cool thing. And, you know, the coaches, um, we're all competitors, but, uh, you know, we get along really well. There's um, there's a lot of support there. We help each other out when we can. And uh, uh, it's a really cool thing. And I think, uh, we know that we all benefit from each other's success. And, and in the end, um, if we're able to get that, get the publicity for the boys, then, you know, that's what we want to do. You know, that's why we do these interviews and these types of things uh, whenever you get a chance, because you can get those names out there and promote them and, and uh, let them know that their hard work is appreciated because the, the, the time commitment, the sacrifice that it takes to, uh, to be successful in, in this game of football is, is tremendous. And, and those boys have put in a lot of work. And if you can get them some accolades and, and some credit, and uh, uh, I think people realize that. And uh, it's just 
tremendous support. And, and a lot of it comes from the families and the parents, you know, one of the reasons why they're so successful, why those players are uh, willing and have the work ethic uh, to do what it takes to be successful is because of the families they're raised in and the culture of those communities. I have had a couple of my friends from Delphus tell me uh, half as a joke, more as an appreciation of what you guys did a couple of nights ago, that right. <laughs> if you are ever out uh, at the local establishments in Delphus and someone figures out who you are, you're probably never going to have to pay for anything in your life. Well, I might take them up on that. We'll see here. It ain't too far of a drive to Delphus. So, you know, anyway, we can help out. <laughs> Uh, then we're willing to. So, I don't, you know, it was, it was a nice thing. It was, uh, you know, just uh, an interesting deal that uh, we were able to help protect that streak. And uh, uh, it's pretty cool. I have an assistant coach, uh, Adam Miller, who was on staff, and uh, and he was uh, he played at Delphi. So uh, he had particular interest in that as well. And uh, I know who to it's take a pretty cool you. thing. Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. And, uh, you know, it's just another – uh, example of that support within the Mac community. Well, and it's crazy too because it's a complete hyperbole thing. We had talked about in the broadcast that with Versailles had the record once upon a time at 54, Kirtland beats it, and then of course they get you guys, and now you are the protectors of someone else's streak. Right. It's almost, yeah, almost, uh, too coincidental to believe, you know, uh, I don't know if you could get away with writing that in a movie or not, but, uh, you know, just, just pretty cool how that worked out. And, um, you know, yeah, they got us and they deserve uh, all the credit they get for, uh, the, the success that that Kirtland program's had and coach Laverde does a tremendous job there. Those players, uh, work their tails off year round. And, and that's the only way you can be as successful to win 55 games in a row. I mean, that's just an unbelievable feat, but, uh, you know, we just wanted to approach it as one game. It's just one game. And, uh, you know, we didn't talk about how many games they had won. It's just another team, and we wanted to win one game. And, and uh, we don't have to play them 55 times. we got to play them once. And, and if we play our best, we thought we had a good chance. When you talked about recognition for the boys, especially uh, Carson Bay ended up ending up named D5 All-Ohio Co-Defensive Player of the Year and quite a few honors on the All-Ohio list for – your guys, uh, I mean, that shows just, again, how hard they've worked through the course of the season. Yeah, it's a tremendous senior class. You know, Carson Bay, quarterback and linebacker, just uh, a fantastic leader, uh, great kid. He probably could have played any position, uh, but a very physical guy, and he played a, a whale of a game offensively and defensively. Uh, Taron Tayo, offensive lineman. Also, uh, an all-state kid, uh, Noah McEldonnie, a kid who didn't even play till his junior year, got honorable mention at the uh, at the receiver position. Chase McEldonnie, and, and um, you know, just a lot of accolades for those guys, and they're all well deserved. Um, you know, we had a great group of seniors that worked tremendously hard uh, since I arrived, and they were sophomores, and and uh, they knew that the price would be high uh if they wanted to achieve something great but they were willing to pay it and and that started in june and and they continued on and and just had the attitude of we want to get better we want to do what it takes to get better each day and you know every practice was was a good practice with a great attitude and and uh it paid off in the end and with that senior class i mean it wasn't that long ago you guys were three and seven with the mostly the same group of kids that are leaders now 
you go from three and seven to fifteen and one in a span of a couple of years. Uh, that's really digging in and getting things done in your program and everybody buying into what you want to do. Well, yeah, you know, and that's a credit to those kids. Um, that's, you know, that's their choice and that's something that they decided, uh, when I came here, they, they had a choice of how they were going to respond to, to a new coach, uh, a guy that, uh, wasn't from Versailles that they didn't know. And, uh, you know, somebody that, uh, is just coming in and, and hoping to do well. And they decided that they were going to buy in. And they, I think they knew, you know, the only way this is going to work is if we do. And, and we decided to put our nose to the grindstone and, and they did. And that's all the credit in the world to those guys, guys like, you know, uh, Caleb Rush and Ryan Kanapke and Caleb Kaiser and um, Eli McEldowney. Uh, just Landon Henry did a great job of running back for us this year, Jack Osborne. I mean, those guys just decided that they were going to, uh, put it all on the line and uh, give it everything they had. And and that was the attitude ever since I showed up, which I, you know, I think it's a reflection of them and obviously their parents and uh, you know, their family. Well, I think it's crazy that that game turns out to be a 2016 game. You have almost 15 less plays than what Kirtland has, but you end up with the exact same yardage total. Yeah, that was very interesting. You know, I thought, uh, you know, we did we moved the ball a little more effectively in the first half. You know, towards the second half, we built up a little bit of a lead and we're, and we're trying to run the clock a little bit. Their defense um, really uh, committed to stopping our run game in the second half. And, and, and they didn't quit. You know, all the credit in the world to Kirkland. They didn't quit. They hit a couple uh, big pass plays there. Uh, we were also able to cause some turnovers. I think, you know, we put them in a bit of a position that they're not used to being in where they had to come back from behind and, and throw the ball to do that. And so um, lucky for us, our, our uh, secondary was able to step up and made enough stops to get the win. I'm always curious. You go into the halftime break, you're up 13-3 to after the touchdown early in the second quarter, another long drive. You know that those guys are capable of making a big run in the second half. Uh, what do you have to say or do you have to say a lot to them during that break? No, we used every minute we could during that break to make defensive adjustments and, and offensive adjustments. Uh, you know, my dad's a defensive coordinator, and he did a great job, um, you know, keeping their offense in, in check and, and not letting them get, get away with too many big plays. We knew they were going to score plays. They're just too talented and too good, too well coached. Uh, but we wanted to try to make them, you know, drive the length of the field, limit large plays. Uh, but we had to make quite a few adjustments in the second half uh, to adjust to what they were doing and how they were approaching things. And a lot of times I got to kick them off the board with only a couple minutes left so I get a chance to talk about offense. And, and that's a credit to our staff and our, and our, our players for being able to execute those. And, uh, you know, we even took advantage of those TV timeouts and, and tried to do uh, make some changes during those, which usually you don't get a chance to do that, especially – with our situation, we got a lot of guys playing both ways. So halftime is usually the only time you get a chance to talk to them. So it was kind of nice having those TV timeouts and an extra time to make some adjustments and uh, and try to figure out ways to stop them or, or move the ball on offense. I thought something that they did that was a little bit different. I, I'm curious, maybe from a coaching perspective, how you looked at it. Mason Ross has almost 2,000 yards on the year, but they come away. The first three plays are their leading receiver – as the running back engaged Sullivan, and they never really got him going as a target in the passing game. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think their game plan was to try to get it to their athlete, uh, the best athlete as many times. And uh, I think they thought our weakness was probably the perimeter. We had had a lot of success this year stopping teams from running inside. And they do like to run the ball inside quite a bit. And they're not a big passing team. Uh, Basically, you know, their passing offense is set up by their run game where, you know, they pound and pound and pound you um, in many ways, inside and outside. And then you end up having to commit too many guys to stop that run. And then they hit you for a big pass, the the number 20, you know, off a play action fake, they get you sucked up. And then uh, that's where they hurt you. Um, What helped us out is that we were able to, you know, hold that run game in check without having to um, sacrifice our pass defense. And so I think that they were just kind of reacting to what, you know, what we were doing defensively. I don't know how it looked to you guys on the sideline, but for us up high above in the booth, I felt like that ball with Jacob Carbon hung up forever. It just seemed like <laughs> jumped that route perfectly. But for me, it just kind of looked like that play was so slowly developing of, you sitting on the sideline of, please let us get this ball. Yes. Well, yeah, you know, those things happened. It was, it was, uh, it was up there for a while. It was up there for a while. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you get those and, you know, uh, sometimes you don't, Jacob made a great interception there in the second half. And, uh, you know, we were able to make, make those plays, but, uh, you know, they've got a lot of great players and they're going to make some plays. And, and, um, you know, we just had to, uh, try to keep the momentum and keep the right attitude uh, regardless of what happened there. And I thought our guys continued to play hard even after they scored uh, late in the game. We were able to block the extra point just uh, from the effort of our guys. And, and that was that was a big extra point, especially if they would have gotten the onside kick. Are you able to kind of look long lens at the season yet now, take a deep breath and kind of go, wow, okay. I mean, we accomplished a lot outside of winning the state title just to get to that point. You know, I think that'll come in the next couple of weeks. There's a lot of things that have to be done to wrap things up uh, with a football season. I mean, yesterday we spent most of the time collecting equipment and, uh, you know, you're talking to the recruiters because you haven't really been able to talk to them very much and trying to wind things down and uh, get off-season plans together and all this stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'll have time to do that. You know, I know uh, just going to be more proud of the guys. It's, you know, what's great is to be able to see – these young kids experience uh, that success and that sense of accomplishment and just these kids that you're with for six months and you're with them every day and you get to know them and you establish these relationships and then, you know, you're just so happy for them and, and to be able to see them do that. And uh, it's just really cool. How has, how has it been in the community the last couple of days? They just have to be, everybody has to be on cloud nine, I would think. No, it's been great. You know, it's, it's uh, all you could ask for, uh, you know, I'm a guy that, uh, you know, I prefer to remain anonymous. I know that's not going to happen in a community like for sale. So if everybody has to know who I am, then um, I, I'd rather it be this way for sure. And, I mean, everybody's been great. Um, just a lot of congratulations and just really heartfelt sentiment from uh, parents and community members. And, and uh, they're just so passionate about the game. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come here and, and uh, be a part of this uh, Versailles community. And, you know, my family loves it here. My boys, I got two young boys, and they love it here. And just the culture of football and the support that you get. Uh, but they've been fantastic, and it's just been uh, it's just been a great week. 
Well, I thought it was interesting. Carrie's coach said it about Carrie, and I feel like it's completely true about Versailles that once they get their hooks into you, you're pretty much there. You're one of them, and you can do so many great things with the community behind you. Yeah, you know, that that is a, a you know, a lot of, uh, I think, similarities maybe between those communities. Uh, um, you know, when you, when everybody in Versailles knows each other, so you know, when you're new to the community, you know, you're new to the community. Uh, but I got to say, you know, ever since, uh, my wife and I moved here, uh, with our family, uh, it's been nothing but great. Um, the people, the community, the school system, everybody supported us and reached out to us. And, and it's just been great. And it's nice to be a part of a, a community where, uh, where you have that sense of belonging and you have a sense of pride in that community. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I long for, and that's one of the reasons why I took the job here for sale. Well, it's kind of funny to me because it's two WBL guys because Jonathan Birchman went to OG, you went to Wapak. Uh, it's not, not yeah, a bad way. Yeah, that's true. No, that's true. You know, the WBL is another great conference, and uh, it's also a conference with a, a lot of consistency and, and pride in itself, too, and, and a lot of similar towns, maybe a little bigger towns, but a lot of similar type of small uh, towns were, were a great sense of pride in those communities and, and they support each other. And, and, um, you know, it's just, uh, another great place to be. And, and, you know, we may be competitors a lot of times, but in reality, we're probably uh, more like the people in our conference and more like our rivals than uh, anybody else's in the world. So, uh, just, just great to be a part of it, to be honest with you. What are you going to miss most about this group that you're losing this year? Oh, I'm going to miss the relationships with those guys. You know, you're with them for three years for so much time. You get to know them. You get to have, uh, you know, these great relationships. And everybody's different. You kind of got your own thing with every guy. And you know their personality. And they get to know you. And, and uh, it's just a lot of a lot of cool things being a part of a, of a team. And being in the locker room with them, you know, uh, their leadership and their hard work and, and the way they led by example. Um, you know, there's the willingness to do whatever it took and whatever he asked of them, you know, those are the things you're going to miss. You're going to miss the people. Um, and, and I hope they come back and they visit frequently and, and they don't be strangers and because they're great kids and, uh, you know, I love them all and, uh, I don't want them to, to be out of my life forever. So hopefully they'll feel welcome enough to come back and, and, uh, and just be a part of the program. Cause you know, I feel like, um, that's something that uh, is one of the great things about football is, is kind of once you're a part of that team, you you feel bonded to those guys for forever. Well, speaking of forever, from now until forever, you'll now be known as the uh, state championship winning coach and Ryan Jones. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty surreal thing, um, Mike. I'll be honest with you. It's not something that uh, was like this major goal of mine. Um, when I started coaching, I didn't even start coaching in high school. You know, originally when I started coaching, I was, I just wanted to coach at the college level. And, and, um, you know, throughout the course, I decided that I wanted to pursue a, a high school uh, coaching career and teaching. And, uh, you know, I think I've made the right decisions and it's, it's really been a blessing it's, it's, uh, where I need to be. And, you know, I would, sometimes I feel like I should have started that way from the beginning, but I don't know if it would have, given me the experience um, that I needed to be successful. So, you know, I think things work out that way for a reason. Um, I always, you know, I 
I was asked today, you know, when you took the job, did you think it would, did you think you could do this in three years or what was your plan for? And I said, well, I didn't, the goal wasn't, uh, you know, win the state title in three, four years. The goal was to establish a, a consistent program, you know, that could be competitive year in and year out. Um, that was quality, had quality kids and, you know, and just, you know, be competitive in one of the toughest conferences in the state. And, you know, what happens after that happens after that. But, uh, you know, we just continue to work hard and, and do everything we can to put the players in a position to succeed. And, and it's neat that that happened. And I, I feel like, um, it's a cool thing. You don't know if your philosophy works, I guess, until, uh, something like this happens, but it's neat to say like, it, your focus and your be all end all doesn't have to be on state championships in order for you to win. You know, you don't have to define yourself by whether or not I win a state championship uh, in order to win one. It's possible to just focus on every game and enjoy it. And I really try to do that. And I think that's something that's changed with me uh, over my coaching career is just try to enjoy every win because so much work goes into it. Even if you win a game 35 to nothing, there's so much work that went into that in the off season and the practices and the planning and just thinking about things over and over and strategizing. There's so much work that goes into it from the coaches, from the players that you have to be able to enjoy it. You got to be able to celebrate every victory because if you don't, you know, it's, it's no fun and it isn't worth it. So uh, that's one of the things I really tried to do these last couple of years is focus on those wins, enjoy them and just take one one game at a time and uh, just try to be a competitor and, and win each game. Well, thankfully, that last one was a 2016 state title. Uh, thank you well, so I'm much into that. for doing this. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure, like I said, anytime I can uh, get, some, get these players recognition that they deserve, uh, I'll try to do that. Hey, that's my theory. That is uh, hey, there you go. Ryan Jones, the head coach of the state champion for sales Tigers, back with more here in just a second. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well then, head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep-fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062, and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. Hey, shout-out to my guy Kenny Stabler, the voice of 99.7 WKSD. Text me and said, I got to come in town and get some of that pie and some mushrooms. He really does. If you see Kenny, bring him to Spencerville and uh, pay for his meal. I'd say to tell him it's on me, but you know what? I don't live here anymore, so they're probably not going to let me run a tab. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to Ryan and to uh, Jonathan for being on the show this week. Congratulations to both of them as well as the uh, five other teams that earned a uh, state championship, and I hope you enjoyed this show, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know at Michael Hearn PVP or uh, on Facebook as well. There's an around the Hearn page. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and any better tomorrow, wherever you may be. Here I go. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PVP for more great area content.